You are welcome to the teaching ministry of Nelson Ihiagwa. Be stirred as you listen. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy revealed to us in Christ Jesus. Lord, as we look at your word, grace is multiplied. Hallowed be your name. In Jesus' wonderful name we pray. Amen. Amen, everybody. Hi. Um, I just really want us to... So, I've been, I've been teaching on this topic on spiritual growth. And this is something that I know that really helped me in my work with God. Can you hear me very well? Let me know if you can help me. If you can hear me. This is something that really helped me in my work with God. One thing I realized was... My work with God took a shift. <clears throat> My work with God, as with many other people I know, their work with God got better because they knew better. <clears throat> their work with God got better because they knew better. The truth of the matter is you cannot separate the proper understanding of the word of God from the believer's experience of God. Okay? You cannot separate the proper understanding of the word of God the proper, um, you cannot separate the proper expression of the word of God from the believer's understanding of the word of God. And that is what we're going to be looking at today. Okay? So, um, I just want to look at the relationship between spiritual growth and sound doctrine. The relationship between spiritual growth and sound doctrine. Okay? So, you know, we've had this statement being said again and again, you are what you eat. You know, you are what you eat. And what they mean by that is your, your, how growth is seen in you is, or how much growth is seen in you is a, that's physically now, it's a direct repercussion of what you're eating, how you are eating. Praise God. It's a direct repercussion of what you're eating and how you are eating. So the truth be told, like everybody keeps saying, you are what you eat. So the way the believer grows, the way the believer is, is also, the believer also is what he eats. The truth is, your experience with God or your work with God is definitely going to be tantamount with how much of the word of God you have come to understand and what specifically in the word of God you have come to understand. Even as a believer, the truth still remains that of a truth, you are what you eat. Of a believer, you are what you eat. Hallelujah. So, this is a verse of scripture that, I, that I've always loved. And then we're just going to look at it quickly. James chapter 1 verse 23. James chapter 1 verse 23. It says, I'm just going to read it quickly. It says, For if any of you be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. Look at 25 now. He says, But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth daring, he be not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This man shall be blessed in his deed. So, you know, a lot of people say, don't just be a hearer of the word, be a doer of the word. But we skip a very vital part that... um 
James was trying to communicate. And the vital part he was trying to communicate is you cannot, you cannot jump from hearing to doing without remembering. And then he compares, um, look at the verse 24 now, verse 23. He said, if any man is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man that sees himself in a natural glass and straightway looks away. Remember, Jesus told us in the parable of the, of the sower. He said that there is the word that fell on stony ground. There, there's the word that fell on um, that fell on the ground, and then the beds of the air came and snatched it away. Better still, this is the word of God of which people did not understand what he was saying. They did not understand the word. They heard the word. They received the word, but they did not understand the word. And in them not understanding the word, what happened? In them not understanding the word, the word was stolen away by the devil. The word was, st was stolen away by the devil. So the question is this. He that beholds himself and goes away straight away, that forgets what manner of man he is, is like a man that is that looks at the mirror and goes away and forgets what he looks like. So for a man to first do the word, he must see, the, he must see himself in the word, remember the word before he does the word. So... We see um, a couple of things here. We see that he must hear and then he must do. But between hearing and doing is a simile that shows of a man that he seems like he's looking at himself in the mirror. And that man looking at himself in the mirror is the link between seeing and doing. And that is basically the man must remember who he is in Christ. So looking at the word of God, knowing what the word of God has to say and Things like that. You need to understand what the word of God has to say about you for you to do. We cannot skip the, the hearing into the doing without a man actually looking at the word of God and seeing himself in it. So it's not just hearing the word. It's not just hearing messages. It's not just hearing teachings. It's not just... um um. um it's not just hearing teachings. It's not just listening to somebody talk about the word of God. It's understanding what the word of God is saying about you. Because the truth is, it is the word of God is the lens for the believer. The word of God, I say again, is the lens for the believer. So when you see yourself in the word of God, it will be easier for you to act accordingly. And remember what I, I linked it with the parable of Jesus. When you see and you don't understand, the beds of the air will come and snatch away. So it's not just enough to hear the word and try to do it. No, you must hear the word and like a man in the mirror, you must see yourself clearly for you to do. You must see yourself clearly for you to do. Praise the name of Jesus. So, you know, I started by saying this and I'm going to say it again. We've heard it again and again say you are what you eat. Truth be told, as a believer, you are what you eat. Your spiritual growth is going to be a direct repercussion of how much of the word you have come to see clearly. How much of the word you have come to receive. Praise the name of Jesus. Okay, so um, the believer who is limited. Listen, this is very important. You know, we talked on James 1. You have to see yourself in the word. But this is another truth. The believer who is limited... Is not limited by faith. The believer who is limited is not limited by power. The believer who is limited, he's not limited by um um. 
He's not necessarily limited by the weaknesses of the flesh and anything around him or God is trying to hide himself from him. That is not why the believer is limited. The believer who is limited is limited in his mind. The believer who is limited is limited in his mind. Listen, God has given you his best. He gave you his only begotten son. He has given you his spirit. You are seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. As a child of God, you are not limited by any weaknesses that may surround, that may seemingly surround you. Especially in terms of spiritual and in your walk with God. You have the spirit within. The same force and the same voice by which the creation was made is the same spirit that exists on your inside. Hallelujah. He's the same spirit. He's the same spirit. So the believer who is limited is not limited because God is trying to hide something from him. He's not limited because he has a power problem. The believer who is limited is not limited even, not even because he has a faith problem. The believer who is limited is limited because he has a knowledge problem. A knowledge problem. A knowledge problem. And that is why, you see, as a believer, one thing that is very, very necessary is not just knowledge. It is the right knowledge. Remember, I started by saying you are what you eat. If you eat only when you feel like it, you will either be overweight or you will be underweight. All right? If you eat when you only feel like it, you will, or you will either be overweight or you will be underweight. If you, if you don't eat carefully... And it's not just about eating. If you don't eat, have a balanced diet. Remember the definition of balanced diet they gave us, you know, in secondary school is, you know, food that basically has all the other classes of food in their right proportion. And that part is actually very important because food can have, you know, everything, but not in the right proportion. It must have it in the right proportion. And this is something that is very necessary. Because you, it's not just about listening to the word of God being taught. It's listening to the word of God being properly taught. Listening to the word of God being properly communicated. That is actually what helps the believer not just grow, but grow properly. Listen, it's not just enough to grow as a believer. It is enough to, there is a way that growth is expected to happen. There is a track record for spiritual growth. There's a track record. That is why Paul is saying Philippians 1.25. He says, I will continue with you for your what? Progress and joy of faith. He Basically, what Paul is saying is, I'm going to stay with you. And in my staying with you, this is going to be the response. This is going to be the... Um, this is going to be the direct repercussion of what I'm giving to you. The direct repercussion is going to be what? Progress and joy. Progress and joy. And that progress and joy is going to be very measurable. It is going to be the direct recompense of a, of a ministry gift being with the believer. Let me read on. So I went, I'm going to back to my, what I started saying. That the believer who is limited is limited in his mind. The believer who is limited is limited in his mind. That is why you see that most of the prayers Paul prayed for the churches in the New Testament was not exactly so that they will have. Most of the churches Paul prayed again and again was so that they will see. So that they will see. And remember we started by saying how you see is in the word of God. 
how you see is in the word of God. A lot of people underestimate what teaching, not just teaching now, what proper teaching can do for you. A lot of people are still struggling with what Christ has made available for them. A lot of people are still asking God to do what God has already done for them in Christ Jesus. It is proper teaching that is going to bridge this gap. Let's look at the prayers of Paul for a bit. um, Let's go to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians 1. Look at verse 17 now. This is Paul speaking. And Paul said that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. So um, I think translations which can also serve as the original translation actually says that... um, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you wisdom and revelation in the spirit. You know, we understand that in salvation, there's actually only one spirit. Listen, oh, there's only one spirit in salvation. You don't have, you don't have, um, um, what's the word? You don't have the Holy Ghost, then the spirit of wisdom, then the spirit of revelation. No, 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 no. Child of God, that's not how it works. You have the Holy Ghost. And what he was praying for here was so that you have wisdom and revelation in the spirit. Or the way Amplified puts it, he said you have spiritual wisdom and revelation. Spiritual wisdom and revelation. Spiritual wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. So this is very striking that in this verse, this is what Paul taught. Okay. He said that, he said that God will give you wisdom and revelation in the spirit. Okay, I think I should even touch on this. Just like, you know, I, I've met a couple of people who pray, who are asking the Lord for the seven spirits of God. There are no seven spirits of God. God is a spirit. He has one spirit. Okay? He has one spirit. There are no seven spirits of God. What exactly happened in Isaiah was, Isaiah was trying to give description to what was going to be upon Jesus. So, let me explain that again. You know, in the Old Testament, many times what we see is description. And in the New Testament, what we see is articulation. So, in the Old Testament, when we see him saying things like, I will take out the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a... and gi- I'll take out the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will cause you to do my deeds. I will make you walk in my status. All that gist was basically talking of the indwelling of the Spirit. That the Spirit is going to dwell the believer and then... Better still, let me even put it, that whole gist can be summarized into Philippians chapter, um, Philippians 2 verse 13, that it is God that works in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. The taking out the heart, the heart of stone and putting in the um, heart of flesh is basically changing your nature and that change of nature is seen in the giving of the spirit within, causing you to walk in his status, his statutes is, is the word of God. Or is the spirit of God that is at work in you both to will and to do? Okay? So, in the Old Testament, when he said, upon him, there will be the spirit of mind, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of the fear of the Lord, the spirit of... All that gist is basically that Jesus was going to embody the character of God and have the Holy Ghost. He was going to have the spirit. So, child of God... Maybe somebody here is praying for the seven spirits of God. I need the seven spirits of God upon my life. You have the Holy Ghost. 
If you have the Holy Ghost, you have all God has to offer. You have God's best. Say, I have God's best. You have God's best. So, this verse is not, there is no, in God, there is no spirit of wisdom and spirit of revelation. What he's saying is, I'm praying for you to have wisdom and revelation in the spirit. In the spirit. Okay? Then he goes on to verse 18. And he now says that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. That you may know what is the hope of his calling. And what is the riches of the inheritance. What is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? Now, you look at what Paul said in this verse 18. Paul did not say that, that you may have it. He said that you may know. Because the truth of the matter is, the believer who does not know what he has, is going to live as if he has nothing at all. Can I say that again? The believer who does not know what he has, is going to live like he has nothing at all. Hey, that's some strong word right there. But let me say that again. The believer who does not know what he has is going to live as if he has nothing at all. Let me paint an example I always give. I hope you know that when the Bible says, um, when the, when the Bible lets us understand that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, you did not become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus the day you found that verse. You know, for many of us that got saved and really didn't understand what that meant or didn't really know what that meant till much later. You did not become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus when you found that verse. You have always been the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It was when you saw that verse and you understood it, it now became active as if it now became active in your life. It became active in your life. So you basically understood that depth. You knew. That is what Paul was praying. He said that they may know what the riches of the, what that, um, that they may know what the hope of his calling, the riches of the glory of the inheritance in the saints, that they may know it. The greatest limitation of the believer is knowledge. Is knowledge. The believer who does not know is going to, is his life is not going to have any difference with a non-believer. Because a believer who does not know he has will live as if he has nothing. The believer who does not know he has authority over the devil is going to be molested by the hordes of Satan. Yet he has power to deal with it. The believer who does not know that the wealth of God is deposited on his inside is going to live as if he is poor in the things of God. And you see, a lot of people underestimate teachings. When you are teaching, their body is crashing them. They say, start praying. Let's start doing the things of the Spirit. Let's start doing the, the, the. the thing is, any growth that is alien or when you remove the things of God, especially the teaching of God's word, your growth in God is definitely going to be lopsided. You are not going to experience the best of God with wrong knowledge. You're not going to experience the best of God with wrong knowledge. So we go on. Paul was still praying in verse 19. And he said, what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us world who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own heavenly place, far above all principalities, power, might, dominion, name that is named, and every not only in this world, but that which is come, and has put all things under his feet, you know, talks about his body, which filleth all in all. Now, Paul was basically praying that, guys, I'm really praying that your eyes seize this thing. Because doing, doing cannot be separated from seeing. 
Doing cannot be separated from seeing. The believer who does not see the victory he has in Christ will definitely not live in that victory. Can I say that again? The believer who does not see the victory he has in Christ will definitely not live, will definitely not walk in that victory. So we see Paul praying this. He said, I pray that the eyes of your understanding will be enlightened, that you may know. He did not pray that they will have. You have it. Have you met a lot of people who are praying for what they have in Christ Jesus? I've met a lot of people say, creating me a clean heart. That was David. You have the Holy Ghost. Your heart has been ex- has been exchanged. Your heart is not desperately wicked. Your heart has been changed by the Spirit. Your heart has been made tender towards God. Hallelujah. Don't pray for what is yours in Christ Jesus. Once you see it, rejoice and bask in it. Rejoice and bask in it. Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. Look at what Paul prayed for them. Let's go to verse 16. This is Paul praying for the church in Ephesus again. He said that he will grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might in your inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith that ye being rooted and grounded in love. Look at 17 now. He said that, that, um, verse 18 now, he said may that you've been rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height and to know the love of God which passes knowledge that ye may, ye may be filled with all the fullness of God. That ye may be filled with all the fullness of God. That ye may be filled with all the fullness of God. Then he goes on to say, now unto him which is able to do exceeding abundantly above. Basically, before Paul even got to that, what was Paul saying? He said that you may know. That you may know. Knowledge is not overrated. Knowledge is not overrated. For a believer, properly seen will definitely lead to properly doing. Properly seen will definitely lead to properly doing. You know, someone said something very important. He said that the The area of the believer's life that is weak is the area that has not really been exposed to the word of God. Remember what I said earlier, that the believer who is seemingly weak, that weakness is not his problem. He needs knowledge somewhere. The limited believer is only limited in his mind. Ah, that, that is, that's, that's very amazing. That we have no limitations in quote, in our experience and our work with God because we have God's best. We have God's best. Again, say to yourself, I have God's best. I have God's best. Paul was praying to them. He said, and to know. He was basically praying that, guys, know. That is why Paul, after doing many things, he now said that, after doing many things, he said, um, that I may know him. That I may know him. Now, Paul was not saying that he doesn't know God. Paul was basically just saying that he wanted to bask, in quotes, or grow even much more in the knowledge of God. In the knowledge of God. Remember what I started by saying, and I'm going to say this again and again. It's not just about knowing God. It's not just about knowing God. It's properly knowing God. Remember, I started again by saying, I'm going to keep referring to what I said earlier. It's not just by eating. It's what do you eat? 
You are what you eat. Your spiritual experience, the depth and wealth of your work with God is definitely going to be seen in what you eat. You are what you eat. Your diet as a believer is not just about listening to the word of God. There is a way the word of God is supposed to be handled. What is being taught? Is it the truth of Christ? What is being taught? Is it the, um, is it the, the, is it what is seen that the apostles expounded to us in the epistles? Is it your realities in Christ? Is that what is being taught? If that is what is being communicated, then your work with God is going to experience a shift. Your work with God is going to experience its best. Let's go on. You see, you know, Paul prayed that again and he prayed for knowledge. Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. You know, Papa Hagin said something. He said he prayed these Pauline prayers over himself for, for two years, I believe. You know, Papa Hagin said he prayed these prayers again and again and again. And after a while, he told his wife, what have I been teaching all my life? Because it seemed like the word of God just came alive to him. To know the word properly is to walk in victory effortlessly. I don't mean to rhyme, but it's true. To know the word properly is to walk in victory effortlessly. To know the word properly is to walk in victory effortlessly. Look at what Paul said in Philippians 1.9. He said, and this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. He said, that you may approve the things that are excellent. Now, he's not just praying that your love may abound. He's praying that it abounds in knowledge so that they may be able to approve. They may be able to discern the things that are excellent. You may be sincere without offense to the day in Christ. Being filled with the fruit of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. Do you see that? Paul is saying that. He said that. Your love may abound yet more in knowledge and judgment. He said that you may prove these things. And then in proving those things, you will be presented, you will be sincere and without offense. Um, he said that you may be sincere and without offense, being filled with the fruit of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ unto glory and praise. Your What you know in your work with God will definitely translate into what you act on. You know, a lot of believers don't know their responsibilities because they've not been taught. You don't know you should preach the gospel to someone. A lot of believers don't know that they should have devotion. They don't know they should spend time praying. They don't know they should contribute to the, to the spread of the gospel. They don't know these things. They don't know it yet. They've not been taught. This, their love has not, it has not dwelt more in knowledge. But this was what Paul was praying more for them. You see, in all the prayers Paul prayed, it seems like you cannot separate the fact that knowledge was one of those things. Knowledge was one of those things that Paul was emphasizing. This is the last Pauline prayer I'm going to look at. Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. Look at verse 9. He says, for this cause, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. He said that you walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, unto all 
patience, and long-suffering with joyfulness. 12. He said, giving thanks, which has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in life. He now goes to 13 and says, he has delivered us from darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. But you know, you now see Paul again praying that they increase in the knowledge of God. That they increase in the knowledge of God. That they increase in the knowledge of God. Paul kept praying for these churches again and again and again that they grow in the knowledge of God. The knowledge of God, like I said, the proper teaching and the right knowledge of the word of God is not over. It can never be overestimated. It needs to be done consistently. Ephesians chapter 4. He said, Paul was basically talking about ministry gifts. And he said he gave some apostles, prophet, pastor. He gave some apostles, prophet, evangelists, pastor, pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints that is sent to do the work of the ministry. And then there will be the body of Christ will be edified that we may grow unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. If you read that verse, basically what Paul was saying is ministry gifts are given for the growth of the body of Christ. Ministry gifts, your pastor, the person who disciples you, the person you are accountable to, they were given so that you will grow. And this thing is done primarily and principally by the word of God. The word of God is taught so that the believer will grow into the measure of the fullness of the stature of Christ. You see, he, he basically said in that Ephesians 4 again, talking about the unity of faith. Unity of faith is not when we all hold hands and we are singing Kubaya. That is not unity of faith. Unity of faith is when we all come together in one voice concerning what the word of God has to say. When we all come together and we know that salvation is by grace, through faith, in Christ alone, not of works, that any man should boast. It is the gift of God. When we all have one voice to talk about salvation, then we know that we are walking. That is the unity of faith. That is the unity of faith. Praise the Lord. That is why, you know, I said this last week. You see, um, the Corinthian church, they had a lot of immorality problems. Paul did not tell them, you are not praying enough. You need to fast in the word of God. Paul told them, know ye not. Primarily, there was knowledge that was the issue for them. And if you read it carefully, Paul's problem in for the church at Corinth was not actually that they were in immorality. That was not his primary issue. His primary issue was that they were in immorality and they were proud about it. Somebody was dating his father's wife and they did not rebuke him. Lest a little leaven leaven the whole lump. His issue was not that they did wrong. His issue was they didn't feel anything. They, they were open. That's the better word. They were open about their wrong. And that was Paul's issue. And after Paul addressed everything, he now came down and said, Know ye not. Know ye not. He did not say you need to step into a realm where you walk with God in holiness. There's a realm that I and the other apostles have entered into. The Lord has carried us higher. And in that realm, we don't walk in the flesh. In that realm, we do some dangerous things. So you need to sow up so that you might go up into that realm. That is not what Paul said. 
Paul said, no, ye not. It is knowledge that was the principal issue here. He said, know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Know ye not. He knew that there was something fundamentally wrong in their understanding of who this God is. Have you, have you, have you read your Bible where you read the epistles? Any church that had an issue, Paul will not, and Paul will just write a letter to them addressing the issues that were there. In the vision church, some people were not walking. You know, they were, and he said, walk with your hands. Walk with your hands. Walk. Every time there was a particular issue in a particular church, Paul is going to send someone to address it. He will send someone to address it. He will send someone to address the particular issue. And how did they address it? Or he will address it. How did he address it? He did it by teaching. He did it by teaching. Because he understood that this life, Christianity that we have been called to, this life we have been called is a thought faith. When it comes to prayer, you are taught. When it comes to giving, you are taught. When it comes to um, 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 uh, devotion, honoring your pastor. When it comes to all those things, you are taught. Christianity is not run on vibes and inshallah. There is a particular precept and principles that have been laid for us. And that those are the things that are taught to us. So that we might know it. They are taught to us. They are taught to us. We are taught the word of God. And in the teaching of the word of God, we are empowered to do it. You know, I always make this simple connection. You know, the Bible lets us understand that holy men spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. The apostles, the um, apostles wrote of the revelations of Christ that they had received by the Spirit. Okay? So, the thing is, when you read what the word of God says, when you read what the word of God says, especially what the apostles wrote, in your Bible study, make it an emphasis that your emphatic point of study is not just anywhere in the Bible. It's not just by reading the Bible. So you meet somebody and you say, oh, there's nothing wrong with reading the Old Testament. I mean, 1 Corinthians 10, 11, Romans 15, 4. Let us understand its usefulness. But you meet a couple of people and every time, what are you studying now? Ruth. Why? You know, Ruth was a virtuous woman. What are you studying now? Deuteronomy. What are you studying now? Joshua. What are you studying now? Ecclesiastes. Guy, when will you get to the epistles? There's nothing wrong with the Old Testament. And it was written for our learning, okay? But, Papa Hagen puts it this way. He said, the epistles were the only part. He said they are the parts of the Bible he has read the most. Why? Because those are the parts of the Bible that were written to Christians. Many parts of the Old Testament were not written, not even many parts, most of the parts of the Old Testament were not written to Christians. They were written to Jews. They were written to people who practiced Judaism. But the epistles were written to people who had the spirit within. So when you read the word of God, especially the spirit-breathed words to the epistles, the spirit on your inside can quickly relate to the words that were spoken. Because the words that are revealed and the words that were inspired, this, those words are given by one and the same spirit. They were given by one and the same spirit. I, what eyes have not seen, nor ears heard, neither has he entered into the heart of any man. These are the things that he has prepared for us. The, the mysteries in the Old Testament that were hidden in Christ. These are the mysteries that have been revealed to us. And not just to us, they have been revealed in us. 
The whole world is going to see the nature of God in the child of God. God is just for justifying the believer. God is good for showing his goodness on the cross to the believer. God is a healer because we, we see and we walk in his healing power. God is powerful because he has given us to be the fullness of him that filleth all in all. So we demonstrate his authority. The believer is an expression of who God is. Hallelujah. You see Paul saying something again. He said... That's why Paul again said for the, to the church at Corinth, he said, no ye not. He knew that their problem was not too many things. Their problem was knowledge. Their problem was not a lot. Their problem was knowledge. No ye not. There is something fundamentally wrong in the way you are understanding who this God is. No ye not. Do you know that condemnation works with the same principle of knowledge? Condemnation works. Turn your Bibles to Romans. Romans, Romans 8, Romans 8, from verse 1. Look, at, let me even read from verse 7, Romans 7, let, let me read from verse 23. He says, but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into sin, to the law, into the captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of, the, the law of sin. Now look at what Paul said in the direct next verse. He said, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Now, a lot of people have now been trained to read that who walk not after the flesh as a condition for there not being con and condemnation. No. He's saying that there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And those who are in Christ Jesus don't walk after the flesh, but walk after the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free. From the law of sin and death. The child of God is not condemned. The child of God is not condemned. And that is what the devil does. That's why Paul started by declaring. He said there is therefore now. no. So if you are in Christ now there is no condemnation. This was a proclamation to make people understand what the Bible is saying. I mean the Bible says your sin and your iniquity I will remember no more. So Paul saying again that there is therefore now no condemnation. You are not condemned. There is no condemnation. Then he says there is therefore now no condemnation. So condemnation works on a particular principle. You know, I saw a tweet one time. He said, Satan is going to tempt you to do something wrong. And then in Satan tempting, the, tempting you to do something wrong, when you now do it, he now lets you... He now comes back to whisper in your heart that you are beyond um, redemption, in quotes, because you did what was done. Or he makes you feel bad. Listen, gutsy guilt is not condemnation. They are not the same thing. Gutsy guilt and condemnation are not the same thing. Turn your Bible with me. Let me now show you something else to further buttress this point. Um, turn your Bible to Second John. Second John. First John, sorry. First John 3. First John 3. Look at verse 19. 
It says, and hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. See, you cannot assure your heart if you don't know. If you, there is no knowledge, you cannot assure your heart. First John 3, I'm reading from 19 again. It says, I hereby we know that we are of the truth and we shall assure our hearts before him. 20, for if our hearts condemn us, do you see this? Our heart can condemn us. Our heart can, you know, you know, um, <laughs> I, I was thinking over the weekend as to how um, there are many things we know. You know, when people start telling you things like, Child of God, you are walking in sin. You are, you are, you are, you are disgracing the kingdom. No, we handle sin and its, and its, um, requisite behaviors with the way that the apostles handle it. Because that is the Bible way to deal with that matter. He said, look at verse 20. He says, for if our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. If your heart, um, brings up a past issue you will re you will remind your heart that hey guy god is greater than you you can condemn me and make me feel bad but god does not make me feel bad that's why the bible says in first john it says that i write to you little children that you sin not however if you sin remember you have an advocate with the father jesus christ the righteous the propitiation for our sins these things, and I said all this to say one thing. Knowledge is what is going to help the believer call his mind back, even when he's wandering. It is knowledge that will help the believer separate condemnation from that, that pricking of the Holy Ghost when we fall into error. I don't know why God will have me go here, but this might be for someone. Remember, when your heart even condemns you, God is greater. And that is why Paul will make a loud declaration and say, there is therefore now no condemnation. There is therefore now no condemnation. Praise the name of Jesus. So again, in Philippians 1.25, he said, I continue with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Basically, that verse lets us understand one thing. It, makes us understand, it helps us understand that it seems like there is a curriculum by which teaching is done. There's a curriculum, there's a curriculum by which this teaching is done. There's a curriculum by which the teaching was supposed to be done. So in that teaching, there was, there was going to be progress and joy that was going to be at the end. You see, the Bible lets us understand in 2 Corinthians 8. He, he talked of, Paul talked on how the church at Macedonia, they were poor. They were poor, yet they gave a lot more. And what did Paul say? Paul said that I'm sending you the um, Titus so that he may walk this grace in you also. How was he going to walk that giving grace? He was going to teach them about giving. He was going to teach them about giving. Hence, the grace was also going to be walked in them. Why? Because the Bible lets us understand something in 2 Peter. 2 Peter. He says, um, grace and peace be multiplied to you. Let me let me read that. Turn your Bible with me to Second Peter one. Second Peter one. Sorry about that. Second Peter one two. It says, "Grace and grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord." I like the way um um. 
ISV puts it. He says, may grace and peace be yours in abundance through the full knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. Let me read it in T40. He says, this one doesn't really capture it well, but it points something out. He says, I pray that God will continue to act very kindly towards you and give you a deep, very much inner peace because you truly know God and Jesus who is our Lord. Listen, to, to the word of God, first of all, it comes with the ability to do. So it's not like when we finish teaching, we'll not say, let's begin to pray. Father, I receive grace to do your word. No, 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 no. There is, you are not receiving grace to do the word. As the word is taught to a believer, there is a quickening and a stirring on the inside already by the same spirit to do what the word already says. To do what the word already says. He said he seemed to walk this grace in you also. Grace and peace is multiplied. It's multiplied by that knowledge. So, you... you um. The, the, the depth and the peace of God and the grace of God and the goodness of God is going to be experienced not just anyhow. It's going to be experienced within the context of the knowledge of God. Can I say that again? The grace and the goodness of God is not going to be experienced haphazardly. It's going to be experienced within the context of the knowledge of God. It's going to be experienced within the context of the knowledge of God. Praise the name of Jesus. See, underestimating the proper teaching of God's word is stunting growth. Underestimating the proper teaching of God's word is stunting growth. Underestimating the proper teaching of God's word is stunting growth. When a believer sees a, a when a believer sees God, even though they don't properly understand when the New Testament quotes the Old Testament verses that speak of God in vengeance and God in judgment and all those things. When they say God is a God of vengeance, what he does is he slaughters your enemy. He spills their blood. He's not Shango or an ancient warrior. There is a context to that and that is the just judgment of this God. Okay, so But when you see God as that, it is very difficult for people like that to walk in love. Because the picture of God they have seen is a perverted one. Can I say that again? It is difficult for people like that to walk in love. Because the picture of God they've seen is a perverted one. They've seen a God who wants to destroy their enemies. Who wants to slaughter their enemies. Not a God that died for their enemies. So... Because the mirror they have looked into, remember what we started with in James 1. The mirror they have looked into is a mirror that is slanted. Is, have you seen all those, maybe you, you've seen all those inverted mirrors, or all those mirrors that are like a joke. They make you look fat, they make you look slim, they make your head big. Maybe that's the kind of mirror they have looked into. They have seen the nature of God that is not consistent with who he is. <clears throat> and by seeing that nature of God, they are walking in, um, I'm trying to look for the right word. They are walking tantamount to the nature that they have seen. They are walking tantamount to the nature that they have seen. <clears throat> if you don't see properly, you will not grow properly. You are what you eat. If you don't feed properly, your growth will be stunted. If you are not taught properly, your growth will be stunted. Spiritual growth, you know, is really sad that many of us, the... 
The things we are supposed to have been taught in foundation school, they were the things that we learned later in our work with God. It's sad, but it is what it is. And we will not make that mistake. The other people who are going to disciple and people who are going to get saved, they will not learn righteousness by faith after three years in their work with God. That is actually what will get them saved. They will not learn that God is a good God after a few years of proper teaching. They will understand that he is good because he is God and that is who he is. Because remember, I've taught this um, in one of our teachings that I had here a few weeks ago, that the believer leaves out the nature of God that he has seen in the teaching, living by revelation. Because the truth is, um, if you see that God has forgiven you in Christ, it will be easier for you to forgive someone else. If you see that God has, um, I'm trying to look for the right word now. If you see that God has, um, God freely gave his son and all that, it will be easy for you to freely give for the cause of the gospel and to ministers and all those things. If you understand that God has put his honor upon men, it will be easy for you to honor ministers of the gospel. If you see, basically, if you see the nature of God, it will be easy for you to reciprocate the nature you have seen. And when the believer sees another nature that is inconsistent, he is also going to live that life that is inconsistent. When people have been taught and trained to see God as a money doubler, as an ATM, as one who is just here to meet your needs. God, he's all here to meet your needs. He's the one that meets needs at the twinkle of an eye. He is God. He's the one that can meet you where you are. When that is all you are being taught, those people are going to be raised as greedy self-centered selfish believers it is true that god meets needs but if that is all you know about god you don't know god well and remember i spoke on balanced diet you cannot just pick choose and pick on, on areas of the word of god you love if he is not lord of all he is not lord at all if jesus is not lord of all he is not Lord at all. You cannot say, okay, I like prayer. I like new creation realities. I've said this before on this um, place. I said, having itching ears is not just wanting to have, is not just wanting to hear false doctrine. It's wanting to hear an aspect of the truth alone. That also can be said to have itching ears. Yes, there are new creation realities and these are, the foundational things that should be taught again and again and again. But these are not just the things that should be taught. The realities and responsibilities you have in Christ should also be taught. It should also be taught. It should also be taught. Praise the name of Jesus. The growth of a believer cannot be separated from the growth of a believer, the grace and peace that the believer experiences in Christ Jesus cannot be separated from what he has seen in Christ. Can I say that again? The growth that the believer has experienced in Christ Jesus cannot be separated from how much of God he has come to know. How much of God he has come to know. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you. Lord, we just pray that even in this week, our heart will pant for the word of God as it is properly known. We will not just look for the word anywhere. We will look for the word properly taught so that we also will grow properly. Father, we honor you. We love you. We thank you. Blessed is your name, O God. In Jesus' wonderful name, we have prayed. Amen. Let me just say this 
Like I said earlier, it's not just knowing or hearing the word of God. It's hearing the word of God properly taught. It's not just knowing or hearing the word of God. It's knowing or hearing the word of God properly taught. Hallelujah. I trust you were blessed by the teaching of God's word. For more ministry content, visit niministries.org. God bless you.